Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. Is this the Krusty Krab? No, this is Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm not a crusty crab. Ah, uh, what is up, everybody? Starting the day with the wrong button. Good job, good sir. Yes. Uh, greetings and salutations. That is what Charlotte said to Wilbur in the uh, famed Charlotte's Web. And I'm feeling very Charlotte's Webby today for literally no reason other than that just popped into my head. Welcome all to the Hard Rock Lunchbox. Uh, and if you're watching this, welcome to the Top 20, which is, uh, as you might know, is the first 20 minutes of the Hard Rock Lunchbox. Over the nine years I've been doing this stupid show, the first 20 minutes seems to be whatever is, uh, seems to be all about whatever is bothering me uh, at, the, at the current time. It could be political, it could be social, it could be medical, it could be personal, it doesn't really seem to matter. But today... We are actually back to the old school, talking about bands and life of bands on the road and all that other good stuff. But I will get to that really, really soon. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Uh, it's good to see the chat filling in a little bit. Uh, you can join the chat, be part of the conversation at 99WNRR.com. That is New Regal Radio's site. And that is where you will find the Hard Rock, Hard Rock Lunchbox broadcasting live pretty much every goddamn Thursday for the rest of our natural lives. Thank you. I would like to just take a quick moment and point out uh, on a show note that apparently Giovanna has finally actually moved to Maryland, which to be perfectly honest, I thought she had done already. <laughs> And that's not a slam. It's just how little I'm in the loop of things. I knew she was coming back for the show on Saturday. I didn't know she was just staying here for the show on Saturday. But she's now officially in Maryland, making the Hard Rock Lunchbox yet even more interstatal than it was before. All right. Full national, baby. Full national. All right. That's it, everybody. All right. I'll see you next week. All right. Oh, man. Now we might as well check in. It's a beautiful, beautiful fall day here in the, uh, in the, uh, whatchamacallit, in the Northeast. Like after, I guess it's been raining since Friday. Uh, it is simply beautiful outside. It's supposed to be nice today and tomorrow and decent Saturday and Sunday. So make sure you get out there and uh, check some things out and do some fall stuff. Please don't do any fall stuff by my house. We have way too many fall things going on here and there's way too much traffic. So I would consider it a personal favor if you would just do it somewhere else um, especially if you live like in like pennsylvania and like western jersey like there's nothing you need to do here like you don't need to come here for anything unless you're like i wonder what traffic's like then yeah absolutely make your way over but it looks really nice so the fall festival is going to be this weekend in hexer park uh, a bunch of band pine street i think is playing on friday craving strange is playing on saturday don't actually know the rest of the lineups. Honestly, I'm not in it this year, so I'm not as much uh, up to speed on who all is playing. But uh, it's always a good time, and I'll probably put in my papers to try and play again next year. Every other year seems to be good for Rebel 9. But it definitely looks like it's shaping up to be a nice weekend to check out some free live music over in Hatcher Park. Uh, if you leave now, you can probably find a parking spot because the festival does start Friday. All right. Oh, also, over the weekend is the Radiothon here on uh, New Regal Radio, 99 WNRR. We do it every year. I try and do, uh, try and be like a guest DJ on it sometimes. I'm just not able to do it this time. Uh, Columbus Day weekend is a super busy weekend, even when I don't have a show um, over at the Fall Festival. So I'm not going to be able to do it. But you can listen all weekend long. It's for Faces for Autism, and you can donate money. Um you donate money and you can basically hear any song you want. So it's a good cause. It's also fun and you can like, I know you could just go up on Spotify or Apple and hear any song you want, but sometimes it's cool to like make somebody else do it for you. Like that's, <laughs> you know, if you want to be an affluent American, I can't think of more, a better, a more better way to exercise your affluence and complete entitlement than be like, I could do this with my phone, probably with my voice alone, but I want to make you do it. So here's $20. 
I know a family friend of ours, uh, his her son was uh, doing Uber Eats kind of like roughly around the time that COVID had sort of started. So Uber Eats just like went totally through the roof for everybody. But um, sort of like kind of, I, I live kind of near the Gold Coast of Long Island, like the whole Great Gatsby. Like you want to talk about Great Gatsby. You want to talk about affluence and entitlement, man. You go north to 25A, and it is absolutely everywhere. But he, he was saying that, like, sometimes he would get, like, Uber Eats orders for, like, a bottle of Gatorade. So, like, a 250 thing, and it would cost, like, $15. Like, that, that is rich white entitlement. And, like, you don't really find that in too many places except um, where you find rich white entitled people, which, if you look closely, are on the North Shore of Long Island. I'm just saying. That's where I heard. That's what I heard. So, what else is going on? Uh... Well, Crash Transit played a show last night, so unless you have your time machine, that's probably incredibly unhelpful. Sorry about that. I heard it was a fantastic show. And to be perfectly honest, even if I didn't hear that, I would tell you it's a fantastic show because I am a broadcaster performing a public service, and I just don't think that band can actually put together a bad show. I mean, maybe. That would, that would certainly be news, but then you'd hear something like this. Oh my god, Crash Transit played a bad show. See, that's news. That's also not what happened. So that's why I didn't play that sound. This has all been an illusion for dem- demonstrative purposes only. Um, what else is going on? Uh, so yeah, so Craving Strange at the Fall Festival on Saturday. The following Saturday, Craving Strange and Something Heavier are going to be at Mr. Beery's. They're going to be with, uh, they're playing with Stud Count. That's that PA punk band. We played songs from them. I might grab something from them today and I want to say Upstart is the other man. I don't know the name of it. I'm going to try and make it down to that. I can't guarantee that because it's a busy weekend. We've moved our recording uh, start date to the following weekend, which is going to work out well for me, but it's still a lot to do. Uh, I have a lot of scratch work I've got to get done before that following weekend. So it's kind of, you know, it's about a 50-50 right now. But 50-50 is like one of the best chances I have to go see a show. So I'm psyched about it. Uh, Ann Arbor is uh, the full interview of Bacon is My Podcast this week. Uh, check that out. And Tasting is My Passion. They do a, a Pocky One Chip Challenge. I've seen that shit out in the stores. Like, I'm not eating that stuff. But there are very few things I enjoy more wa- than watching uh, Mike and Jim, like, eat something that they shouldn't. I don't know if it's a throwback to, like, when we were, like, five and six years old and we were daring each other to eat soap or whatever or grasshoppers. But uh, it's in there, and I enjoy it. So I encourage you to enjoy the same. Um, what else is going on? Uh, we'll be in Scranton uh, on the 29th of October. If you're in the Scranton area, like I don't, we don't get out to Pennsylvania all that much, so I would recommend coming out and seeing us. Also, uh, we haven't fully officially announced it yet, but definitely mark your calendars for December 16th. We're putting together an end-of-the-year Christmas extravaganza that's going to include... Um, our band, Rebel 9, Craving Strange, A Farewell Fire is going to be joining us, as well as uh, Mikey Wayman from Something Heavy. And I feel like that covers everything. Oh, the... the uh, 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 uh. There's a bumper. Uh, the Top 20 is out this week. Uh, and I say that do we, we actually need to wonder if uh, we're going to... If, if, I, if we really need to be angry all the time, like, is it serving any purpose? Also, I'm never going to make a diss record, which is still funny to me and will continue to be funny to me for as long as I can say it, because all I can hear is Mario saying that now. Also, in other top 20 news, I actually got another warning from YouTube. Hold on. This is actually a warning on my top 20 show from January 7th, 2021. Yes, if you're playing at home, that is well over a year ago. It's also the day after the insurrection at the Capitol. And I I got, I got the warning. I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but the warning is because YouTube doesn't... YouTube says that don't allow anybody to spread any misinformation about the election. Uh, and I was like, I didn't. In fact, I was calling people out that were spreading that misinformation, and then they called me out for doing it. So, first of all, if you go anywhere on YouTube, you can absolutely find that stuff. So, they're doing a hell of a good job out there. Like, good job, Google. That's as sarcastic as I can make it. But I'll have more information on that later. Because what I want to talk about today is kind of important uh, to me and probably important to any bands that are listening in the audience or familiar at least. Uh, and I think it's interesting or timely because it's 
it's really what the Hard Rock Lunchbox started as. Like, right? Like, my, my stories from the road, bands I would meet, experiences we would have that not everybody has unless you're in a band, right? Like, they're just things, there are things that bands go through that people and fans and stuff like, God bless all of you for your support, but you're completely oblivious to stuff that we have to deal with. And I don't even know how many people are going to, like, be familiar with the stuff that I'm talking about, uh, that I'm about to talk to that I'm going to talk about today, but, like, if not, like, you should know this, and you can be interested by it. So let, let's let's see where that takes us. <coughs> I want to take you back on a time field trip. The year is probably 1908 because I'm about 15 years old. That's not true. I'm not that old. Uh, I don't know what year it was, but I was, I was about 15 years old. And I was in a band. I was in a band called Sour Mash. We stole that right off the bottle of a Jack Daniels bottle. And we thought we were as cool as you could possibly be. And we could not have been more wrong. But at the time, we were pretty cool. And we, we, we were a band. We did all covers. We did a lot of ACDC covers. We did a lot of Scorpions. We did some Van Halen. Uh, I was not singing. I would not sing for years after that, um, until after that. Uh, but I was I was a lead guitar player, and we booked our first in a venue slash club show. We had played some house parties and stuff like that, as you do uh, when you're kind of coming, or as you should rather, as you're coming up as a band. That's how you cut your teeth on stuff. But we booked our first ever show uh, for selling tickets in a in a venue that sold alcohol, like everything. And it was a place called Sparks. Sparks? Yeah, Sparks. And it was in Huntington at the time. Uh, if you were ever in the North Shore and you're on 25A and you see a place called, I think it's Bottles and Cases, that used to be Sparks. And it was a wonderful dive bar in the history, during, at, the, at the historic time when Long Island was just a hotbed of music. You know, places like February's, like Hammerheads, like Lamore, Lamore Far East, um, obviously Sundance and Bayshore, like... The, you know, and and the Roxy in Huntington, even um, probably even before the Roxy, actually. But like you know, the days like the Continental and like Limelight and stuff like that. All those Roseland, all these great places. Um, so it was like at kind of the height of some of that. And this is just what you did when you had enough songs that you could go play a set. You went to a venue to try and play it. So we did that. Uh, all at the right build age. I think I was the youngest at 15. Uh, I might even have pictures. I might actually have been 14, but I think I was 15. And so we played the show. We played it well. I mean, I don't remember any sort of bad feelings about it. Like, our parents, uh, you know, drove us there and dropped us off and stuff like that. And we had some friends come in, for sure. I think we had gotten the gig. In fact, I know we had gotten the gig because a friend of mine their older sister was dating the booker. Super, right? My first connection. Yeah. My, my first unearned connection. And so we got the gig. And we played the show. We sold the tickets we were supposed to sell. We were supposed to get paid afterwards based on all the tickets and stuff. And then immediately after the gig, the promoter took us out. The booker slash promoter took us out back. Said, you guys did a great job. It was awesome. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to pay. I don't remember anything after that. I've told this story dozens of times since then. Because the reason it's important is because it was the very first time that I, as a professional, to-be-paid musician, got fucked over. And I don't think I thought at the time that it was going to happen again. But it would not be long until it happened again. And it would not be long until I realized that this is the game. It's always the game. And not always do you get fucked over as a band, as a local band, as a national band, as a touring band. But often enough. Because people will change the rules on you, especially when it comes down to the money that they're either making or saving. Or they're just scumbags and they're lying to you. So many times, bands run into problems where it's, oh, you didn't sell enough tickets, or you didn't bring enough people. I mean, I think we've all seen stuff that had gone down um, in the early days of maybe even like some Club Loaded stuff, or I don't know I don't know if they were Club Loaded back then. But in the early days, like where you would show up to play a show, probably at like, 
probably when it was still Ollie's Point, when Revolution was still Ollie's Point, where you would show up to do a show, and if you hadn't sold enough tickets or you didn't have enough people come down, they wouldn't even let you play. Like, that is just the game. That is how it is done. It's awful. And in the case of Club Loaded and Ollie's Point, I, as the band, when I was in G. Davey, opted to not play there. We played um, Molly Blooms 2 plenty of times. Uh, and that was before, and we went through Patty Dodge, who never pulled that shit on us, ever. And then when it was Ollie's Point, like, it was a whole new game, and they wanted us to bring, like, 30 people. And I was like, well, how many people do you guarantee to be there? And they're like, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, then G. David doesn't play there, and we didn't. We would rather go play a Coke bar like the Zebra Lounge and pack it out with, like, 100 people. And that's what we did. We got paid well for it. But it's part of the game when you're in a band. When you're in a local band, a touring band, a national band... You know, I'm sure I'm sure there are national bands that are still getting screwed over. I mean, maybe not to the level where it's like super high business, like if you're in the Foo Fighters or Green Day or something like that, but like I feel like I know some nationally touring bands that get screwed over all the time. Like, ah, oh, well, we you know all the money didn't come in, we didn't sell all the tickets, so here's half of what we promised you. No matter how contractual contractually obligated you are. I see it all the time. Uh, I am very fortunate that it does not happen to me all that often. In fact, I cannot tell you the last time that it happened to me. I'm sure it's Within the past five years, but like I just generally don't work with people that I don't know, or if it's a shit deal, I know it up front and I just sort of accept it. You know, sometimes, sometimes the intangibles are kind of worth it. Like we have shows uh, where we don't get the full door; we have to split it with the bar. But we also know that bar is super good at like collecting all the money from people. And we've had bars where the bar isn't interested; and they just give us the full door. But they're, they're not so motivated to collect money. So I see like a hundred people in without stamps on their hand. Like, that's not cool. And sometimes it's malicious and sometimes it's not. But that is how bands traditionally get screwed over in the business. If you ask anybody in any band, they've got a story kind of like it. Which brings me to Saturday. I have played Amityville Music Hall for the better part of a decade, since it was Broadway. Broadway was our partner bar when I first started doing the New to You shows, when I first started them before they were even new to you. I called them other things, but that is where we did. We had I had a great relationship with the owner, a dude's name was Mike, and we used to just rent the place out. He would basically let us do whatever we wanted, and at the end of the night, he would usually bonus us out because the bar had made so much money. It was a wonderful thing. It was basically like, this is what it's going to cost you, but if you do really well, like we'll just kick that back to you. And I understand that. The bar needs to stay in business. I have always understood that the bar needs to stay in business because without the venue, as we've seen over COVID, without the venue, there's no place for the bands to play. So that's fine. I played there then. Even when it turned into Amityville Music Hall, the first incarnation, it was kind of dingy and the sound wasn't so great. And they really weren't investing in it and service wasn't always good. Sometimes they would have like one bartender for a packed house, which is really not the way to go. Uh, but there's always been problems, but it's like kind of a dive bar and it's kind of cute because of that. And everybody kind of knows the deal. Like the sound's off because of the way the room is shaped and because, of, you know, the load in is tough because there's no place to store your gear, but you have to load in before people get there. So people are like stepping on you. Like everybody knows these things, right? Like even Arlene's like in, in the city, like when you get there, it's impossible to kind of load in, but there's a little space on the side for you to keep your gear. So people aren't walking away with your stuff. Like our gear at Amityville Music Hall is literally in the audience. And we can't watch it all the time. I mean, we try to have somebody there, but we can't watch it all the time. Nobody can. It's hella dumb and hella dangerous, but that's the way it is. And again, that's the deal. You know what's going in. So like when you know those things, like you make you make arrangements for it. So what happened Saturday night, in my opinion, we had the single best Amityville Music Hall show that we have ever had. I could argue that some of the new to you ones were better uh, because they were representing something else, but in terms of sound and on timeism and professionalism of most of the bands, like I think it was a fantastic show. I mean, it ended a little bit early, which I thought was weird, but I don't know the deal with with AMH and why they run so early, so I'm not going to speak on it. But as as shows go, the sound was on point, the schedule was on point. And, you know, really, the, the, the bulk of the bands really just brought 
like an A-plus game, in my opinion. And I thought it was really good. They had two bartenders on staff, so, like, I don't think anybody really waited. Like, you just didn't wait all that much. Like, I had a, I waited a little bit for a water because I think one of the bartenders was doing, like, a money drop and stuff like that. And, like, and I'm, I'm fine with that. Like, if you're making so much money, you can do a drop. I'll wait a couple minutes. Like, that's fine. But so I thought it was a really, really good show. Had a really good time. A lot of our friends were there. It was just, a, it was just really, really great. And which was awesome because I was very hesitant about taking the show. In fact, when we were offered the show, when Joey offered us the show, I, uh, he said it was a club loaded show. Who I have a good relationship with now, for sure. So I messaged loaded directly, and I was like. I don't want to deal with anybody in Amityville Musical. And the reason that was is because, like I said, it has started to get shadier and shadier, and I was hearing more and more and more stuff. I think the last time I was in there was for the last turn of Broadway release, and they had, like, one bartender. They were out of all the beer. Uh, it was just they were squeezing the bands for time and sound. It just was really not all that great. And since then, I had heard another show, and I think we all know what show I'm talking about, where the manager at the time locked the doors because they were squ- trying to squeeze more money out of the bands, more more ticket money. I mean, the bands are free to talk about that if they want. I'm not going to name anybody in case that's a problem. Uh, but I think a lot of people were there. I know I heard about it day of that that was going on because it was unbelievable that a, a, a venue with locked fans, fans were already outside. Showtime doors were seven and they were already outside waiting to come in and then and she locked the door, squeezing money uh, out of the band. So I told Loaded, I was like, I want no part of dealing with anything uh, that has to do with uh, AMH. And they were like, well, it's still the sound, still the bartender. I'm like, that's fine, but in terms of money and dealing with the show and all that, I don't want any part of it. And they were like, you're, you're, you don't have to. You're dealing just with Loaded. So I was like, fine, which is great. So I'm going to guess that's why everything went as smooth as it did up until the time when it wasn't under Club Loaded's purview anymore. Because as we were loading out, for whatever reason, the manager slash owner or whatever her title is got in a huge fight with somebody at the bar. Huge. Like, loud. And she ended up chasing her out the back patio. The back patio where I was loading my gear onto my little rolling cart. She chased her out the, the, the gate, out of the back, if you've ever been there. Screaming obscenities even I wouldn't use. This is 1130 on a Saturday night. There are people everywhere. Everywhere. And the manager or owner of this club is screaming obscenities and threatening basically to kill this other person. Now, I've been in fights, so I understand like how your mouth kind of runs away at you. But I will tell you that if that was a patron of the bar, security would have thrown them out immediately. I don't know what security does when it's the manager. <laughs> Actually, I do. Security does absolutely nothing. Or follows her out or something like that. And security was great. Like, I'm not saying that security did anything wrong. I'm just saying, like, I don't know what the protocol is when your manager's, like, losing her mind. And as if that wasn't bad enough, I actually just sort of held back and let it all try and calm down in the parking lot. But if that isn't bad enough, the thing that really tipped this over is once she returned into the patio, she immediately started screaming at me. She was saying that, whose friend is that? Somebody must have brought that. And, like... Dude, F-bombs constantly and screaming. To which I said, I don't know who that is. And then apparently that wasn't good enough because she decided to step to my face and say, well, somebody must know who that is. Somebody brought her here. Did you bring her here? Now she's a foot from my face. And she's screaming. And I have had enough. I told her no. And I told her that she needs to step the fuck off. Because... I don't deserve to be talked like that. I don't deserve to be talked to like that to by anybody, ever, ever, let alone somebody I just busted my ass to put asses in that bar for. I don't know what our bar bill was, but I know my band alone is good for several hundred dollars, I'm sure, especially at $15 a drink, which, by the way, is a whole other problem. It's a real whole other problem. $15 drinks in Amityville? Are you shitting me? Screaming at me. So I finally had enough. And then she's yelling about how she owns the whole building. And I told her, I don't give a shit what she does. I don't give a shit who she is. Because I don't. And I grabbed my stuff and I loaded it out. I had to go back in and get more stuff. And when I go back in, I load the rest of my stuff. She's just sitting there pacing like an angry animal. Just pacing. 
So I take a deep breath and I walk up to her and I'm like, I can, I know you're upset or I can see you're upset and I'm sorry for everything that went down right, th- right, went down outside. Trying to calm it down, trying to get out of there on a good note. She looks me dead in the face, tells me I disrespected her and that I need to leave. And all I could do was really just kind of chuckle. Being yelled at by some 20-something that doesn't know how to do her job is super upset because somebody pissed her off in a bar is not my problem. And more than that, it is not how I'm familiar or used to getting fucked over by clubs. I'd rather just go back to you ripping me off for money so I know it's coming and I know how to fight you. Treating me like shit is never going to be a way to go. And that's why I'm telling absolutely everybody I know, every booking company, every PR company, every touring band I know, to not set foot in Amityville Music Hall until she's replaced. Because nobody deserves to get treated like that. Keep in mind, I'm the talent. I played there last night. That night, I played really well. I brought people, paying people, paying alcoholic drinking people to see me. And that's how I got treated. She got mad at somebody in the bar and needed somebody to blame. And she picked me. And she fucked up. Because I hate that fucking place. And until they make a change, you will never see my ass in there. And I'm imploring all other bands and all other fans of local music to not step in there. Because honestly, of all the clubs that we've lost over the past couple years, that's one that we really should lose. And that's my top 20 plus 6. I don't hate this town. I do hate that one. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Ah, time to hit the vault and pull out this gem. When was the last time you heard this?
Punch Box. Man, I have not heard Kid Felix in some time, man. Goddamn, man. I think Philly, Philly based. Been so damn long, I don't even remember. Don't even remember. Um, I was gonna say something, and it has immediately left my brain space. <laughs> Hang on. There we go. <laughs> Get the Radiothon this weekend right here on 99 WNRR. You can listen all weekend and make requests and donate money. It's always a good cause. It's always a good time. So make sure. I'm going to be I'm gonna be traveling some of it. And I've just, 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 these days are getting longer. I'm trying to still put 27 hours of day into 24 hours of, uh, of actual day. And that's, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what you know about math, but it's not, it's not working out so well. So that's, that's sort of thing. <laughs> I really did have something I wanted to say, and I was hoping it was going to come back to me, but it didn't. So here's some Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, maybe you can bring me not only the horizon, but bring me back the thought of what it was, uh, what I wanted to talk about. But I think the horizon's probably a lot more likely. On the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. I'm talking to Joey from the Neon Skyline on a, on a side text. Sorry, that's why I'm ignoring the chat, but I'm back, chat. But Joey, like, flat out just said... One of the funniest things I have ever read, and it's all about what went down Saturday night and uh, and sort of like the interactions we were having with that manager. And he said, I have it here, so I can totally read it as he said it. He says, but she's like so mean, LOL. Like the glitter, bland, the, the glitter band just played. Calm down. <laughs> the glitter band. Oh, Joey. <laughs> All right, well, this is not the glitter band, but you sure as shit earned it. It's Deftones, the box. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Wow, Muse hitting it, like, right on point. <laughs> That's new for Muse. We are effing effed. <laughs> Tattoo idea? Me? Maybe? Maybe? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um... Playing, uh, playing along uh, with uh, the Neon Skyline this weekend, and um, having a farewell fire, join our little Christmas escapade. It, um, it's, I guess, it's kind of a reminder, like, uh, of like how, kind of like how complex things are. In, and it sounds stupid and probably very arrogant, but like how complex things are, like in a band, right? In a scene, trying to do something. Um, and I'm not talking, and I'm not trying to insult anybody that's listening, but like, there's a difference between a band that's like just doing stuff on the weekends for fun, and a band that actually like has potential, doing something right, could go somewhere. Maybe if it had the shot, maybe if it had the help, maybe if it had. Uh, just like one person to like look and just like fix these five things, you know. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm talking nonsense. Maybe like bands like mine just don't really stand any shot, and we're just like in that total dreamscape, make believe matrix world where we think we do. Because um, I've definitely seen bands where it's like, oh yeah, but I never found a lot of that stuff like unattainable. Like I always felt like it was within reach, but it was always missing a couple components. Like it's super hard to make pancakes without liquid. You know what I mean? Like. You can do it with water, but they suck. But milk is better. But buttermilk? Mm. So, I don't know if it's that. But anyway, my point is, like, as I've gone through, like, a lot of these journeys and had, like, a bunch of different um, experiences with d different people, and it, it's it's nice to kind of look back on some of the things and, I don't know, be here. <laughs> as dumb as that sounds, like, be here on this side of it, like, is. I spent a lot of time uh, talking to Randy, formerly of Face the King, and now currently of the Neon Skyline. And we're just sort of talking about like how much better it kind of is now. And Joey and I have talked about this since I saw him at uh, at our Village Pub show like last January. Uh, we talked about like how much better it kind of is when you step back from that full force, all eight cylinders, 120 miles an hour into the turn kind of thing and start appreciating other stuff i mean you can do both things but you really do need to appreciate the other stuff that's around you especially the people around you and the other bands around you like really i've always believed that the bands around here have always done better when they've worked together i feel like that has always been true 
Um, I have never seen one band do on their own what a group of bands could do. As evidenced even by uh, when Craving Strange released uh, A Life Exceptional and they were the first local band to sell out Revolution. Like, I think that's a pretty big accomplishment. I think I Ignite did that also, but I'm not 100% sure that that's true. But I think they did that soon after that. I mean, it's one thing for Taking Back Sunday to come in and sell 400 tickets. Like, that's super easy. Like, I would expect that. But for a local band with literally no back-end support to do it based on just word of mouth is, I think it's pretty impressive. But I think Jimmy might even be one of the first people to argue that he probably couldn't have done it just by himself. And their band couldn't have done it just by themselves. I mean, we were there. A lot of other bands were a part of that. And a lot of other bands were super excited to be part of it, but also super excited for Craving Strange to be releasing a brand new record. And that is kind of what the difference is. And I think a lot of people saw that Saturday night. And I don't know if everybody experiences the same things. I, I know people don't experience things the way I do, them, and that's fine. But I don't know if people not in bands experience things that people in bands experience. And for somebody like me, being me and also in a band, I think the really great, maybe undersung part of Saturday Night is that I'm pretty sure that everybody in that room was super happy for Joey. As simple as that sounds. And like, I could not have wanted more success for him. He deserved it. He worked hard for it. He's a good dude. Yeah, he took a hiatus for a little while from being a reasonable human being. But yay. <laughs> People are in Jared Leto's cut, too. It happens. You can't blame everybody for everything. But I think everybody in that room really wanted the Neon Skyline to succeed and Joey to succeed personally. And that's why we tolerated all of the face paint, the neon lights, the glitter. My God, the glitter. And a set of synth rock that I don't know the rest of us would have normally gone out to go do. <laughs> And it didn't matter, because we were there for that one purpose. And that was, I think, completely achieved, and I think that that's awesome. And as truly, as I've said a nauseating amount of times, as much as I think, you know, Burning and the Falling Down is probably one of the, definitely in the top ten songs to ever leave this, this island, in my opinion, I will always root for a band like Neon Skyline above that Every day. Oh, wrong button. All day. Every day. And I talked to the I talked to the singer for just a little while, and I have to tell you the experience with Joey's new singer, way better than the last singer. It's Golden Heart on the box. She was born with a golden heart. Summer curls a precious smile. Can't believe he ever saw that. And the soul is a work of art. Different man, a different life Didn't think he could ever fall to the tide I promise not to break Rose in time Never lost, only let us stray Daddy's gone, but mama found him Every day and night Giving all of her body in the 
surprise on the box. Seriously, one of the bands that I cannot believe didn't explode, like be way bigger. And I don't know why. I don't know why that is. Just I guess just one of those things. Kind of like saying like this. There's a lot of luck. Uh, I mean, you need the talent and stuff, but you do need the. You need definitely need a little luck. Um, speaking not of luck, like I said, this weekend they're doing their 36 hours radiothon here on the channel 99 WNRR. I'm just going to read this to you so you hear absolutely everything correctly, and I'm not making any of it up. Thank you for joining us for our 14th annual Radiothon benefiting David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation. Uh, Friday, October 7th, 6 p.m. through Saturday, uh, October 9th. That's not right. Sunday up to... <laughs> I'm trying to read something so I get it all right, but it's actually on the, on the page here. But Friday, October 7th, 6 p.m. through Sunday, October 9th. Uh, Joan Artifacts, Miss Effects, Jackie Raven, and more as we raise funding and awareness for David's Dream and Believe Cancer Foundation with over 36 hours, with our 36-hour radiothon, 36 hours of live radio with DJs taking your request for donations. How can I help you ask? Simple. Just click the donation button below. This is on uh, 99WNRR slash radiothon. Uh, just click the donation button below and make your generous pledge to the 36-hour radiothon and post your request or dedication in, in the chat below. Uh, it's the same chat you guys are using right now, if you're in the chat. If you're not in the chat, then it's not the one you're using right now. But if you're in the chat, it's that one. Uh, $5 gets you one song. $10 gets you three songs. Basically, 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 basically. And then you can also go to the station store and get cool stuff. So we also accept Venmo as well to at Radiothon99. And when you make your pledge, paste your request in the chat room below. And that's going on all weekend starting Friday at 6. So uh, if you're around and you have uh, some time, uh, give a listen for sure and support the cause. And if you have some money to donate, that would also be very good of you. Um, so one other thing that happened Saturday. Now, this is not a complaint. This is not me whining. This is not me bitching. This is me actually thinking something is interesting. And I'm going to convey it because there might be an answer. And if somebody has said answer, I would love to hear what it is. Uh, oh, just in the chat right now. I don't know when the GW reunion tour is. I talk to Mike all the time, my old drummer. I have not spoken to Ray in some time, but Ray would probably be down for it. I could do a GW reunion. That'd be a lot of fun. Man, I have not played those GW songs in a long time. But anyway, so back to Saturday night. So we played the show. I thought we played really well. I think everybody enjoyed the medley that we did. I, I had a really good time. I, I had a really, really good time working on it. Uh, and because it's fun, it's exciting for a band to do something new and like kind of like one offy like that. I don't know that we're ever going to play it again, and that's completely fine with me. If we do, it probably won't be local, but uh, you know, it was fun. So if you were there and you enjoyed it, that's awesome. But here's here's what I kind of noticed now. Um, normally, uh, after a show like that or a situation like that. There's usually a bunch, like, you see a lot of social media stuff, like, especially, like, Instagram, Facebook, is, is people still posting, too. Um, but here's the thing that I thought was, like, just beyond super interesting, because I guess I I haven't experienced this before, exactly. So we played a full set, right? We were there all night, and I guess it was, like, Monday or Tuesday, uh, where I went looking for... Um, pictures of the show to share now i took I, I always whenever i'm at a show i try and instagram at least one shot from all the all the bands from like kind of far back i try and frame it so it looks like there's a lot of people there which was not a problem saturday night uh except for the first band i kind of had to frame it tight uh but i was like trying like hey this is where we're at this is where the show's gonna be this is who's coming up like all okay it's formulaic and maybe it's boring but it's it's information specific which i find that people tend to like so i do that or i maybe not tend to like but i find it it's useful so i was doing that so anyway so i was going to look for pictures to share and there are a total of three pictures <laughs> involving rebel nine at all that were posted anywhere two on facebook and one on instagram uh, the two on Facebook wasn't even the whole band, so uh, it wasn't something I could use. Uh, and the one on Instagram I was going to use, but honestly, I look so goddamn hideous. I just like, yeah, screw it. I'm not going to do it. And the thing that I found weird is that, generally speaking, if I just go out, there's enough opportunities to just like take pictures or be in pictures. Um, and this might sound arrogant. I'm not, I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to say, like, I was literally on stage under lighting with my band and stuff like that. And 
I don't think anybody got any pictures, and I thought that was really weird. And I tried to rationalize it to myself. I'm like, everybody was having way too good a time to take any pictures. So I'm going to hope that's what that is. <laughs> and not like, ugh. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm gonna go with the former on that one. And because I have my own radio show and have to justify nothing to nobody, I feel like hearing this song now. So we shall hear this song now. This song you will hear next is the song we are going to hear now. Hard Rock Lunch Box. Ah, a little something from nothing more. Go to war! Just totally what I was ready to do earlier this week. Um, so, Saturday night, one more uh, thing about that. As uh, you may have heard, uh, we were playing a bunch of new material. Some of it may not sound as new as others, uh, but a lot of it, uh, like the older stuff, has been uh, kind of rearranged a little bit. But we, uh, Rebel 9 that is, is set to start tracking on new material on the 24th of October. We are making a change in our production team. Not that anything is wrong with our old production team, but we are working with David Caggiano this time around uh, of Craving Strange fame, Jackknife Stiletto fame, LTOB, Mother, Midnight Mob fame, all that. Uh, Pathmaker, he's working on a new Pathmaker record. So uh, David definitely has his thumb on the pulse of things going on around here. Um, There was a lot that went into that decision, and uh, I don't know. I don't feel like talking about it now, so I'm not going <laughs> to. But but we are uh, all set to kind of go in, and we're going to record, I think, four songs, and then we'll just uh, dribble them out like um, like an old penis uh, in 2023. So uh, be ready for that. So if you like what you heard, uh, you heard all of the songs we're going to record. Um, so just know that that's coming. Uh, one of the funny things is that we've been playing pretty exclusively that material, and before that, we were playing pretty exclusively everything for the Razorly Diaries, for the Diaries live show. And what we as a band have to do every now and then, because we have memory issues, is we have to go over our old material because we will forget it. Uh, and one of the trickiest things that we have is the record, The Reality Crush. And I think it's tricky um, because when this version, this, uh, this incarnation of Rebel 9 was formed, um, I was just about to put this record out. Uh, they did not play on this record, except for Kaz, who did the solo for Senseless Tragedy. Every other sound you hear on that record, except for like keyboards and the vocals and um, female vocals and Quiet Mind, are me. Every single sound on it. So I would not advise it. I would not recommend doing a whole record by yourself, but I did do it. It was fun. But I think the point of it is it was new, and we played incessantly pretty much every song on the record, except for Say... And I think we burned out. So we don't play it often because we were kind of tired of it. And because of that, we end up being very under practice on the record. So one of the things that we have to do is every now and then we have to take a night and be like, okay, everybody listen to the record so that we can rehearse it. And as dumb as that sounds, we're basically a cover band of ourselves. And we relearn it, we re-listen, we figure it out and all that other stuff just to keep the cobwebs off it. Because... Honestly, there's good songs on there that people like to hear, and I'm not blowing any smoke, no conceit, whatever. Like, there are definitely songs people like, well, I haven't heard what it is in forever. And same with Senseless and Quiet Mind, and even The Good Fight. Like, The Good Fight are, are, is one of those songs that people that love that song want to hear only that song to them. But it's funny because I was listening on the way home from rehearsal because I knew it was going to be tonight that we were going to go over. So I was just listening, like, the refresh because I have to do that. And sometimes I just really forget, like, how that record went down. And honestly, some of the quality of the recording and the tracking on it, and I know I'm just complimenting myself right now, but like, I'm doing it for a reason, because it's, over time, that drift, that memory drifts, and the way you play drifts, and it just sort of changes to kind of go back to what it originally was when you released the record. Sometimes it's like, wow, that's, that was pretty good. (laughs) As dumb as that sounds, but had that little epiphany on the way home on Tuesday night. You know what that means. I'm thinking it. You're hearing it. It's Waylow for the box. I don't need a reason to leave this time. I still feel like I need me to fall in line. Where's this crying that I'm bleeding for? Can't breathe 
the Hard Rock Bunch Box. DJ only plays what DJ wants to play. Well, that's not always true. Sometimes, very infrequently, I'll play what somebody else wants me to play. Like now. Hard Rock Lunch Box.
Yeah, man, that sound means it's time for your weekly Craving of the Week. But I got to tell you, with two shows inside of two weeks, it seems like you've already got yourself enough Craving of the Week. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right, Jimmy? I haven't had that one in a couple days. Thought I forgot. Did I forget? Goddamn right I didn't. Yeah, catch the boys over at the Fall Festival on Saturday the 8th and then over at Mr. Beery's uh, for the Bacon is My Podcast Prevents with Prevents. (laughs) Bacon is My Podcast Prevents. (laughs) I like it. I don't know exactly what I would do with it, but it's possible I would do something with that. Uh, Presents. They'll be over at Mr. Beery's with something heavy. And, of course, Craving will be back with us uh, along with... uh, I don't know. Some of something heavy. So some, some, something heavy. I don't. You know what? My blood sugar's dropping. I can't be funny all the time. I feel like I feel like you guys are attacking me. Stop <laughs> your weekly craving of the week with Craving Strange on the box. I'd love to sit here all day with you people and play music and talk nonsense. The reality is, I have to go to the bathroom. And if I stay here much longer, it's just not going to be pretty. Now, granted, we're on radio and it's okay, but I promise I would describe every last drop of it to you. So I think we can all agree that it's time to just shake hands and part ways. I realized that there was something I totally wanted to uh, talk about today. I took a quiz last night during one of my uh, calls that I was on. Uh, It's the, what's it called? It's your saboteur assessment. It basically kind of asks you a bunch, like 50 questions, uh, and they're just all psych-based. It's like any other psych test you've ever taken online, but it's got some internal validity, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, And it basically breaks down like what kind of saboteur, self-saboteur you are. And uh, I was reading through some of the results last night, and I found it like, wow, that's that's spot on. Uh, oh, that's spot on. Oh, that's also accurate. Like, so it's kind of uh, like a nice awareness. So I'll try and remember to talk about that next week, and maybe I'll even post the link in the chat, and you guys can give it a shot on your own. It was definitely interesting to read all those things about yourself and be like, mm-hmm, yep, oh, ooh, okay, all right. 
All right. <laughs> Nothing like walking away from a online test thinking the worst about yourself, but I've never done anything but, so I guess I really wouldn't know. But I want to thank you guys all for tuning in. Don't forget the Radiothon is this weekend. Stop by uh, 99WNRR anytime from Friday night into Sunday, and you can request some songs and donate some money and make people's lives a little better. If you're in the Fall Festival area of uh, Huntington, North Shore, Long Island, feel free to stop in and see Pine Street Band, I think, on Friday. And, uh, Rage, uh, I said Rage Against the Machine. Jesus, that would be awesome. But no, it's going to be just Craving Strange. I mean, you can raise against Rage Against the Craving Strange. I don't know what the rules are, but you can see Craving Strange. I'm pretty sure it's 5 o'clock on Saturday. Tell them I said hi. Uh, and if you see the empanada truck uh, that the uh, that, that Lisa and Michael run, stop by for some empanadas. They're delicious. And tell them we said hi. Uh, that's Lisa and Michael from the rail. I'm sure you, most, of, most of you from this area remember. If not, then that's cool too. But have a good empanada. And uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, soccer team is off this week, so no updates. But, yeah, man, I guess we'll do this again next week, I guess. <laughs> and just for sticking it out with me and being good sports and all that other nonsense, this this one's for you because you, you've earned it. I'll see you next week on The Box. Hard Rock Lunch Box.